Welcome to the Money Wise Women Show, brought to you by MoneyMorphosis.com. Are you ready to be inspired to upgrade your financial skills? Listen to feminine leaders sharing practical advice and valuable insights. Shift your money mindset, improve communication skills, and learn financial management tips. Although we do not provide investment advice, you can check out MoneyMorphosis.com. That's Money-M-O-R-P-H-O-S-I-S.com to find simple ways to boost your true wealth. Welcome, this is Crystal Arnold, hostess of Money Wise Women and founder of Money Morphosis. So, today I'd like to explore regenerative culture and what this means and what people are doing around the globe to work towards more vital, connected uh, ecosystems with people and planet that really revitalizes our earth and our society. And regenerate itself comes from a Latin word meaning to create again. And so it's, I see it as this natural impulse of life that uh, is, is arising and that we are part of as humans and that, that we can create systems that, uh, of regeneration. It's traditionally used in the agricultural sense and practices which regenerate topsoil and and are really uh, uh, give back to the earth. But we can also use it for our social systems and look at how humans organize ourselves and cooperate, communicate, how is information shared, what kinds of uh, support do we offer the elderly and the youth and how do we connect and collaborate in creative ways that really bring greater life into our into our society and so this is a time of huge transformation of of the very systems that we depend on for life and so this applies to money and the economy and and also our social systems and so this is why I've brought our guest on today who is a true pioneer in uh, the regenerative field and uh, her name is Jennifer Menke and she is project director of the Regenerative Economy Lab and president of Regenerative Earth, which is a nonprofit corporate, um, a nonprofit. In 2015, she was nominated as an emerging global leader by the Academy for Systems Change and still resides as a fellow on that organization. She's been managing a project in the Osa Peninsula of Costa Rica for the past three years which facilitates local communities, governments to develop and implement a regenerative rainforest economy in which the community there, the ecosystem and the economy all thrive together. I've been really impressed by her community resource mapping and facilitation techniques, which serve to translate diverse projects around the world and She serves to facilitate rapid evolution of sustainable economic models. So you can see why I'm so excited to have this conversation with her today. 
She also curates nature-based immersion retreat experiences for executives, investors, and different leaders. And uh, she's really had 15 years of dedicated training to actualize this vision. Um, Her bachelor's degree was in environmental studies and eco-psychology from uh, University of Colorado and Naropa University. And then she's deep in these studies with 13 different North and Central American indigenous cultures, uh, nature-based spiritual elders, social sustainability entrepreneurs, and of course, the earth directly. And uh, for 11 years during this time, she apprenticed with John Milton and the Way of Nature, spending over 500 days combined in nature in solitary retreats, and has worked as a senior guide for Sacred Passage for the last uh, five years. And so, as you can tell, she really has a deep, grounded um, connection with the earth and and spiritual leadership and so um so excited to uh, to really highlight her work and share it with you all listening here today so uh jennifer welcome i'd love to hear um a little bit more about what what you find most exciting about the work that you do mm. Thank you so much, Crystal. It's it's really an honor to be on this show with you. And um, yeah, I would say that that what I find most exciting is um, is really being able to watch transformation happen. You know, whether that's on a very personal level with an individual, um, or whether it's within a group, or whether it's you know within a whole region. And um, and watching, yeah, just just people, spaces, environments change towards um, more balance and more harmony is what excites me. And and I think also the the challenge, you know, around shifting um, the dynamics so that so that we are moving towards that balance um, is is also exciting because it's you know it's it's a it's like problem solving so um it's a challenge and and when it starts and um things start to change it's it's a really beautiful thing to witness mm-hmm. mm, i totally agree uh this transformation that's happening within us personally within our relationships and uh on on the earth and within our planet and society as well is is truly uh, incredible. And, and as we both know, money is such a key part of, of this transformation at the individual and the collective level. And yet it's often uh, not openly discussed. It's so taboo to talk about. And uh, I, I'm really curious, you know, what, what is your view of money? You know, I always, I go back to the original the original well, intention for creating money and um, and that you know when money was created as a means of exchange, um, I I think that you know it has been distorted over time and that sort of direct means of exchange and that I mean it's it's more of a I would say an energetic exchange. 
um, over time, it's just it's just been more with how our economic system is set up, and and so that's where there's an imbalance that I feel has has happened in um, you know our economic system, and then where a lot of um, just patterns and false beliefs kind of arise. I would say baggage arises with um, money. Um, but really, I, it, it to me is just energy, and um, and it's energy moving or energy, stand, you know, staying stagnant. Um, and so, you know, when when that money or that energy is moving and it's flowing, then there's more potential for you know that regeneration to happen. Um, when it's when it's standing still, when it's stagnant. And a lot of times that's when, you know, you start seeing, um, I mean, it's almost like hoarding. It's almost like a, a dam. You can see it as water and, and that money being dammed, um, that water being dammed. And then it doesn't reach the ecosystem, you know, down the river um, to nourish, you know, the rest of that ecosystem. So, you know, when that, when that energy is stagnant, then it a lot of times can create um, disharmony and a system and um yeah and so that's that's kind of yeah i mean my personal view is just relating it to to just chi energy mhm mm. such a <clears throat> such great metaphors there with with health in our bodies and the circulation of fluids and blood and and how stagnation of chi can can cause this disease disease and um and and then the same thing with with water and circulating through our planet and uh really the way that we can see the flow of money as as just um as creating value and uh and really nourishing all parts of the system and and I see that you know people like you who really have a holistic systems perspective is is so valuable uh when we're talking about cultural transformation because uh you know in in the old economic story it's all about the parts and the pieces and, and like a machine that's you know uh operating in this predictable way and yet it's uh, really so much more than that when you involve the human spirit, heart, and uh, and mind in, in that equation. Um, and, and so I am curious, you know, because you are um, can look at the systems perspective and the inner transformation, can you tell us a little bit more about, about that connection that you see between inner and outer transformation? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... I see um, the process of transformation for the inner and the outer actually being very similar. And, you know, with, with the inner, let's do another metaphor. Like, you know, if you, if you have some sort of disease, um, the way to truly heal that is to understand, is to understand your inner systems, right? Is to understand the whole picture of what's going on and then identify the root drivers of what's causing that disease. Um, and then, you know, you apply the right applications um, to really heal your system, your internal system, and move it back into balance. Um, and so externally, I see it as being very similar, where if you're looking at, 
you know, a whole region, a whole landscape, um, in order to really shift the the this disease or um, you know some of the disharmony that that's happening, some of those challenges, you really need to understand the whole system, you know, and all the dynamics and how everything is interconnected, how all the different systems are interconnected. Um, and then understanding what those root drivers are that are causing the vicious cycles, the disharmony, um, and then you know look at what are those intervention points, um, those remedies really to move and shift those systems into regeneration, um, into health, into vitality. Hmm. Yes. Yes. I I feel like that is. So important to hold both perspectives at once that that the internal and the the big picture systemic transformation is is happening simultaneously and and we are engaged participants in that through our beliefs that affect our behaviors and through really deeply understanding and knowing ourselves so that we can show up and engage uh, more fully in in the systems that we want to participate in. And I've, I've seen this a lot working with people with, with money um, is, is internalizing some of that suffering uh, that is caused, you know, we see a, um, a, a lot of economic suffering and wealth, uh, the wealth gap is growing and, um, you know, by, by design of, of the system of, of compounding interest and the way that uh, money continues to uh, consolidate in the hands of a few, um, I'm, I'm curious your your thoughts on on the economic system and and how you're seeking to uh, it create a more regenerative economy. Yeah, so I mean, I think that there, just in the the design of the economic system, um, there to me just some some flaws. I mean, I I would say this is probably my <laughs> Maybe maybe it's an unpopular belief. I don't know, but um, you know, but um, you know, and the the flaws that I see in in the original design is basically not attributing the value to environmental the environment, you know, and environmental services. So not providing a value for um, the fact that trees um, create oxygen for us to breathe, or they sequester carbon, or um, you know the the, they help to they help with clean creating clean water, um, and so you know the only financial value really that's that's connected to the environment is through resources to be used for good. So it's it's connected to resource extraction, and then that has really driven you know a lot of the resource extraction that we see today, development and all of that. And then, you know, on the human side, um, there also has not really been that financial value attributed to health and well-being of um, the individual, of communities, and um, you know, and so, and there's been there's been a way of taking advantage of um, indigenous people, um, you know, just poverty-stricken people, farmers, people who are really living very close to the earth and a very, you know, maybe it could be rural or city, but, um, you know, they don't, they, 
weren't born into a lot of resources and they don't have a lot of access to resources. And yet a lot of them are sort of the on the ground laborers in the field doing a lot of, a lot of hard work and they're receiving very little for that. Um, and the, the profit is actually being captured upstream um, <clears throat> through the, the transactions um, or as the commodity turns into a more refined product, uh, you know, the price just keeps going up on it. So, so there's, um, you know, uh, design flaws that I think a lot of people are really trying to address right now. And, um, you know, and, and part of addressing it is kind of doing like taking those baby steps to get there, you know, really shifting some major um, components. And some of the baby steps that I'm seeing that, that are really working, um, like one is, is actually linking up farmers directly with, with uh, the consumer and taking out, cutting out all the middlemen in between um, and doing that through blockchain technology. Um, so that basically allows farmers to capture a higher revenue for the commodities that they're growing, and it allows consumers to buy these commodities for a much lower price. Um, so it's kind of a win-win for both of them. And because the technology is there that allows them to do that, then you know they they, they have that opportunity now, which is great. Um, what <clears throat> what we're doing down in um, U.S. about what I, you know and other what my colleagues are doing in other parts of the world. Uh, is really, you know, taking this this whole systems approach. So again, looking at at all the systems dynamics of of a region, um, and and you know, and then understanding what are those those key drivers of um, of the vicious cycles that, that that are causing the environmental destruction or that are causing and driving poverty, and really beginning to understand what those root drivers are and then going about looking at well what are the actions that can be taken um, by the community by the stakeholders that can really shift those root drivers so that um, it actually pushes the systems towards a virtuous cycle um, that would you know reinforce let's say a vision of thriving communities, a thriving ecosystem and a thriving economy, you know, reinforce this idea of, um, of the environment being healthy and the, you know, and taken care of. And so, and so part of, part of what we're doing is looking at, well, what are those, you know, actions or what are those projects that can really, that can really create those changes. And so, those projects can range across the board, um, and typically they're multiple and they range across um, sectors. So, you know, a project could look like, okay, let's set up um, let's set up this blockchain technology to connect all farmers directly with consumers and with the market, and so they can capture a higher revenue. Um, the consumer can buy it for for less. Or um, like we're working with a um, capital group that uh, they're basically in, going to be investing in different agri- agricultural and forestry projects, sustainable agricultural and forestry projects, and their model um, will reinvest 50% of the profits that are made by the investors. 
Uh, the company's name is Blueprints, and so they really care about bringing, you know, just equitable exchange to those farmers and uh, allowing them to have dignity in what they do, and then and then really creating this model where the the money is not just flowing out of the system. Uh, to the investors, but it's actually um, getting recirculated back into the region, and and so that's that's a step towards, I would say, you know, regenerative economics, where um, instead of yeah, just having having that that money flow out, you've got you have it recircling back in and reinvested into other projects. Um, that again support the community, support the environment. Yeah, I love it. I love the way you articulate a vision of what is possible and how it's manifesting on the ground at the scale, uh, which which um, is is very. Uh, hmm. I'd, I'd like to hear more about kind of. Uh, what what the regenerative economy lab in Costa Rica is and and the approach that you are taking, uh, which you've described a little bit about. Um, but could you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. So um, basically, it's really. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a lab. We call it a lab because it's you know we're learning as we go and. Um, there have been points where we've been, you know, more engaged and other points where kind of set back a little and then re-engaged. And, um, and basically what we originally um, set out to do was uh, to bring the different benefactors of the region together to come up with a systems financing strategy for the area. So we really were looking at how do you invest in a whole region um, systemically rather than rather than investing in siloed projects. So a lot of times funders or um, foundations or investors, you know, just choose one type of project in a region and, and finance that. But they have no idea what projects are happening and how it's connected to the, to the whole picture, uh, the bigger picture. And so um, one of the needs that we were, were asked to – um, fulfill or to address was basically the fact that there are all these different groups supporting different projects, but they weren't really um, working together and collaborating and cohesive. And so we were looking at how do we bring the, those groups together. Um, and so based on my team's experience and other places, um, we knew that we first actually really needed to understand what the collective stakeholder vision of the region is, you know, so we, we conducted a series of interviews for about a year and a half and, um, and identified what we were hearing as the core vision for all the different stakeholder groups in the region. And that core vision is thriving communities, a thriving ecosystem and a th- to have a thriving community, thriving ecosystem and a thriving economy. And then we also um, asked, you know, what are the major challenges that you're facing and, you know, what are some of the opportunities that you see? And from all that information, um, we put together this systems map that basically shows that core vision that we were hearing, you know, from all the stakeholders 
and um, and then all the different dynamics, the um, you know how, how the current system as it is right now, what the barriers are to, uh, that are preventing, what the challenges are that are preventing that vision from happening, and then what the intervention points or opportunities are that would have helped to create that vision. Um, and and yeah, we just had validation across stakeholder groups. Um, with the map and it became really helpful for them in a sense of um, many were able to use them as a communication tool to be able, because all of this, I mean, the map really is theirs. We just basically kind of put information and put it into a fancy picture, but it's, you know, like that's their, it's their map. And, um, and many of them had a lot of the information in their heads, but never really were able to get it onto a piece of, paper, a visual, you know, um, to be able to communicate and show how um, different points in the system are connected to one another. Um, one of the major, major uh, vicious cycles that we identified down there was basically how conservation, the, the idea of pure conservation um, with a lot of regulation was act, alongside poverty was actually causing more illegal logging, poaching, and activities um, because the people can't do anything with their land, and so then they resort to the illegal activities to um, to make money, and then that actually pushes, you know, for for more regulation and conservation. So it becomes this really vicious cycle. Um, so that's one of the major vicious cycles down there that that's trying to be that's being addressed. You know, it's how, how can people do sustainable um, enterprises on their properties in a way that is not harming the environment, it's providing them with income, and it's allowing them to not do resort to illegal activities like the poaching and mining and logging. So it's just an example. And so now we're in a place of really working um, with the stakeholders around project selection and um, you know, what are the those key impact projects and capacity building of project leaders and then um, and then the financing of those projects and helping to bring in different um, groups and investors to, um, you know, to ensure these projects get the... Love it. I The word transparency keeps coming up and the importance of making our value visible. And I love how you're creating these, uh, really mapping the communities so we can have accurate information and be able to um, act more intelligently as, as collective organisms and, uh, you know, linked hubs of, uh, of biocultural uniqueness and really build those relationships through seeing our commonalities. And I feel like there's so much, uh, it's been hidden for so long as far as finances and the economy and, you know, not only on the personal level and, and, uh, and the, the need to look at our own finances honestly, but also on on the systemic level of of people who want to align their values with their money, and yet it can be hard to get accurate information about the true cost of a good. 
say, uh, you know, which is very different from the price of it. We, if we in, account for the ecological uh, externalities, as they're called in economics, uh, if we actually pull those in as as part of the cost of something, and and really, uh, like you said earlier, value the contribution of the earth. To, to the economy, uh, I think people could reorient towards uh, making better decisions financially and, and really being able to collaborate. And I'm curious your thoughts on, on the importance of, of greater transparency in our economy. Mm. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, I think that's a really important piece. And I think that the transparency will increase um, with some of these new technologies that are that are coming out and, and really allowing for you know that that full transparency um, yeah I mean one one example for instance is this um, they're called bloom connect but they they're doing this blockchain technology to link um, flower growers up with consumers so they're helping you know to increase the flower growers revenue and um, and kind of decrease the cost for the consumer. But, um, but part of that technology is to really make the product fully transparent. And the beauty around that is that it actually, you know, by, by having that full transparency, it, it empowers the consumer to be able to choose, you know, what farmer they want to buy from um, or what company they want to buy from. Because they, you know, they can they can see, oh, okay, that that farmer has this certification. They're, you know, um, really they're really implementing organic practices, sustainable practices. I know that by buying and supporting this farmer, I'm going to get a good product, and I'm going to be doing good for the earth. And, um, you know, and and I think also with transparency, what's beginning to happen is um, a lot of consumers or even companies starting to see that they're actually supporting deforestation and, and they didn't even know it sometimes. So um, there's one technology that is, that's actually mapping out in Brazil um, the amount of, well, they're, they're mapping out all the different soy farms and um, the amount of, of trees that are being cut down from the soy farmers or these soy farms and then who the, the buyers are um, of that soy and then who's buying, you know, that soy product from those distributors and kind of where it tracks, you know, upstream. And so what they're finding um, by gathering all this data and then making it fully available to the public um, is that they're finding that there are places in Europe or, or countries that, you know, there's in, in certain countries that are that are buying um, goods that are causing deforestation, but they didn't even sometimes know it um, because it's so the product, you know, went through many different hands, and so it's actually allowing those companies to see, oh wow, okay, we've been supporting that deforestation, we didn't even realize, so we need to stop buying this product and then buy, you know, the soy from over here where it's it's sustain it's being sustainably harvest, harvested and grown. And um and yeah, and it's and it's just a powerful tool to to allow people to be much more conscious about um where they're buying products from and and that 
alone, I think, can really shift um, the game because um, because growers and farmers will only be doing practices that are harmful to the environment as long as there's a demand for it. So if the demand shifts, then, you know, that's going to shift their practices. Um, so there's tremendous power in, yeah, in that transparency. <laughs> mm. Oh, yes. That's so great to hear how technology can be used to um, really make make it more visible and and uh and the importance of meaning uh, making with it all, you know, we're so inundated right. with uh, information and it's like, how do we make mm-hmm. sense of that? And that mythical, you know, spiritual uh, story part of us that, that needs some, some sense making from all the information. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and that's where I think um, doing some of that inner work, you know, around our relationship to to money and how we take action with money um, can be so important because it, it gets into the the meaning of you know or our values and and how we're we're directing our action, our energy, you know, our money. Um, in a way that is aligned with our values and in a way that is aligned with how we want to see the world, you know, in the future and, um, you know, how we want to, how we want to be stewards of this earth, you know, for our, for our children and grandchildren, what, what we want to leave behind for them, the legacy and, um, and, and that value piece has more power than anything. I mean, it, it has so much power because it's it's really about its choice, you know, and 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 those choices, even at a very small scale, can add up and make such a big difference. Um, but it's really it's really being in that integrity, you know, of aligning those actions to the best of your capacity with with those values that that you hold, you know. And I would say most people are pretty good, <laughs> and they want to do good. <laughs> Um, but the structures are set up in a way where they're just trying to survive. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for, for speaking to that. I, I love this intersection of, of systems and, uh, personal transformation that, that we're touching on and the values and the alignment and, uh, how to bring out the best in people. We have we can do so much better mm-hmm. humans <laughs> and just exciting. It, it makes so much sense when you say it, it's like, Oh, of course. Why haven't we always been doing this? Um, this really yeah. is a more mm-hmm. natural way of organizing our, our human uh, interactions. So we'll take a quick uh, minute break here with a word from our sponsor, and then we'll be back to dive into some more about, you know, your your experiences in in nature and and leading these retreats and some pivotal moments in in your own life, and and uh, also exploring what reciprocity is and and why that's important. So we'll be back in just a minute. Are you ready to enjoy greater financial freedom? Perhaps you're like Emily, a creative entrepreneur who wants to increase her income to provide for her family. Using the free video training found at 
discoveryourtruewealth.com. She learned the secrets to accessing hidden resources and creating lasting wealth. Emily learned a persuasive negotiation technique to bring in more money with her top clients. She boosted her credit score and opened new financial doors while reducing expenses. And she took specific steps to strengthen her existing relationships and create a safety net for her business. With the Discover Your True Wealth training, thousands of women have improved their bank balances and secured their family's future. With this free video course, you'll transform beliefs, behaviors, and skills with money. Take charge of your financial situation with the training found at discoveryourtruewealth.com. Welcome back. We are here with Jennifer Menke and uh, just discussing regeneration and the possibilities of humans and uh, and a more thriving economy and culture, which really brings forth the unique genius in each person and values it and where we can make visible the value and the currents of energy flow, also known as money, that, that really feeds and nourishes uh, people as we as we cooperate here. Um, I first met uh, was connected with you, Jennifer, through the Regenerative Communities Network uh, of the Capital Institute. And if people want to join that and check it out, uh, the website's capitalinstitute.org/regenerative-communities. And uh, just just find that as a very interesting part of uh, collaboration and connection. And curious if you'd like to say anything else about about the Capital Institute and uh, the Regenerative Communities Network. Yeah, I um, first of all, I I'm you know just love that John Fullerton and the Capital Institute is bringing into the world. Um, I think his view is just very genuine. He's put a lot of time, a lot of thinking and energy into um, what a regenerative economy, you know, really should look like. And it's based on living systems principles. So it's it's really based on nature and how nature um, functions. And, and, and that to me is... Um, just really important. And so, you know, one of the things that Capital Institute is really um, spearheading is the, the regenerative communities hubs around the world. And so it's this network of um, these different regions that are really working on regenerative economies and, and trying to shift these economic systems so that they are truly benefiting the environment and people and culture and, you know, all these, um, yeah, just health and vitality. Um, and so it's, it's, it's kind of going off the understanding that as a collective, we're, we're much stronger than if we work on it individually. And by building the, this network, we can share information much more quickly. We can learn about what's working, what's not working, and integrate that into our own work. Um, we have the support of, of a network of people that are, that are trying to address a very similar challenge. And, 
you know, so you don't feel alone and you feel like people have your back and, you know, and you can reach out to somebody if, if you're struggling with something or if you have a question and, you know, and so that network can be really leveraged and it's, it can be very powerful um, to create the type of change that we need and the, and the time frame that we need to do it in. So, yeah, I'm very happy that they're doing what they're doing. <laughs> yes, yes. Right. Uh, it's, it's such a great antidote to all the bad news that's out there and all the sensationalized, ter- terrible things are happening. And yet this undercurrent of often not visible good, good things that people are doing and inc- incredible innovations uh, socially, environmentally and all, all these things uh, to really, uh, you know, nourish ourselves with seeing what other people are doing is, is so helpful. Um, and also with with nature too is really connecting deeply with the earth and the natural rhythms to uh, be more fully human, and and we've gotten disconnected with that in our modern modern culture. And I would love to hear some more about your work with uh, tribal elders and with running retreats uh, with people in nature. Mm. Yeah, so, <laughs> you know, I I returned to nature at a very young age, and um, and and then I just I think I've always had a real very strong commitment to earth, um, you know, just uh, supporting natural habitat, um, looking into going into environmental law. And I started digging deeper, and I started really looking at well, what is what is the root driver of of this unnecessary destruction that is happening on the planet, and you know, the the unsustainable development and resource extraction and all these things, you know, climate change, um, pollution. What is that? What, what's really really deep, you know, and that as a root driver. And part of what I was seeing is um, is it's really humans disconnect with the natural world, and um, and so it's that lack of awareness of our inherent interconnection with with all life. And you know, from there, I really just started meeting. Um, like I I started working with a Tao Pueblo elder and you know she just kind of she came into my life and um just started mentoring me and um and so I went out into nature with her for the first time and really had such a profound experience being alone and having that time and that space to connect with with the earth and not have um you know just uh the culture, the my family's perceptions of me, community's perceptions of me, and it was just I could let all of that go. I could let stress of work and school and all that go, and just be, um, you know, in my senses in nature. And and then from there, I met John Milton, and um, and he was he had created this design for retreats that I felt was very, very effective. And he also kind of came up with that hypothesis. Well, um, you know, one of the root drivers of environmental destruction is actually humans disconnect with the natural world. And so the retreats 
that he started running and designing um, basically help people to cultivate um, awareness, you know, through the senses and, and spend time alone in nature in a very supportive way and then be able to connect deeply with, with the earth, with, um, you know, with nature through the senses. And then from there, go even deeper into, into a source connection. And, and the way source would be defined is um, that which everything arises from, manifests within, and dissolves back into. So, you know, under, and I think that source connection is really, um, again, just this understanding that, that everything is, is really connected, you know, at, at the root and really learning how to be a good environmental guardian, you know, really learning how to respect um, the earth, respect other people, um, to, to walk in a way that is, that is as altruistic as possible. Um, and it's, you know, not perfect by any means. <laughs> But but really walking on this earth in a way where, you know, it's not just for personal or selfish gain, but it's really looking at my actions and seeing, okay, is this in alignment in a way that supports all all life and um and how can I be as aligned in that, you know, where where my life is 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 unfolding in that way. And and I don't see, you know, altruism as just being, just giving yourself to everything else and not taking care of yourself. Um, that altruism also means taking care of yourself too. But it's not, you know, it's but it's being in balance. So so by taking care of yourself, you're taking care, you're you're being able to show up, you know, in in the the matrix of life and. Um, and able to actually care for others. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It goes back to that flow and and the balance of of not. Uh, often women are over over giving at the expense of their own health or well being, and to really find ways to connect with people and and projects that uh, feed feed us as we feed them. And uh, I'd, I'd be curious to hear more about your thoughts on reciprocity and what that means to you and why you feel it's important. Yeah, so with reciprocity, nature, every, there's, there's always a, a give and a take, you know, and, and so one of the, I would say very, primary foundational blueprints, and I call it a blueprint, you know, on the, on this earth and just um, universally is the circle. And, and that circle to me demonstrates that reciprocity um, just by nature of, of its shape. Um, and that reciprocity is really the full circle. So it's, it's that, you know, giving and receiving and, um, it's that breath too, you know, the, the inhale and the exhale. And when there's, when there's a break in that, you know, we're, we're just giving or we're just receiving. That's where I think a lot of, um, 
that's where I think disease actually can happen or, um, yeah, that, that disharmony can place because, you know, if, if, um, someone is giving and giving and giving, you know, and they're not allowing themselves to receive, then they're actually harming themselves and they can't fully show up in the way that, uh, you know, that, that they can um, and that others maybe need to or that the universe really needs them to. Or if someone's taking, taking, taking and not giving back, then, you know, the energy gets blocked in the other direction and it's not being recirculated um, back into, into life, you know, and, um, and so, and so, yeah, that, that imbalance can really, can really happen when there's not that reciprocity. So, um, so even, you know, with, with money and having seen money as this means of exchange, um, when it starts to get distorted, where there's a lot of money being made um, without maybe much energy being put into it, right? And then other people putting a lot of energy into things and effort and, and only receiving a little, um, you know, you start to kind of look at, okay, is that, what's the reciprocity there? Is that distorted, you know? And and I don't have all the answers to that, but it's it's an inquiry. Um, and I know in you know based view, if you look to nature, there there's always that just fluid reciprocity that takes place, and it may not be from between a species and another species. Sometimes it is, but. Sometimes it's just one species giving to another species, that species giving to another species, that species, but it's, it's flowing. And, um, and there are services that, this, that each species is basically providing to the whole ecosystem, and they're being provided for. And the moment that that is out of balance is when you, is, you know, in, in nature, usually it'll find a way to put, to come back into balance. Um, but when it does start to go out of balance, then you start to see a lot more um, disease and, and things that start to arise. But eventually, nature is always moving towards that balance, and, and so it typically will find a way to come back to it. And that sometimes can be through environmental, you know, through natural disasters and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's it's fascinating to look at that how our economy itself driven by compounding interest and money created as debt has fueled this um, extractive economy, which extracts the value from our, uh, our, our earth itself from in a very physical, tangible way, but also from our society and, and breaking down these relationships and turning people and relationships into commodities that you then have to pay for. And just the pressure that's uh, kind of ripped apart a lot of our social fabric uh, that's, that's created by this, uh, this economic system of, of, pure competition and and uh so many qualities which which really uh have have um 
not had that sacred reciprocity and not had that natural flow of of ecosystems. And so I I absolutely agree. We can learn a lot from being in nature, from biomimicry and, and looking at uh, the the natural way of being. And uh, I'm curious mm-hmm. if there's any... Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to add just one more piece to that. Um, yeah, I mean, just that reciprocity between humans and nature. And um, and that's a great example where there's just this resource extraction, but then there's there's no caring back for the environment in a lot of cases. And so that's where, because a lot of people, um, you know, don't, don't maybe don't have a connection to the environment or to that ecosystem that they're pulling those resources from, or, you know, they, they don't um, they listen deeply to, I guess, the species and the environment, or there's just that lack of communication, right? There's, there's almost this easy way of just pulling from it, taking from it and not feeling like um, you need to give back because you don't have someone screaming to, <laughs> to give back. But I think that now with some of, you know, with climate change and some of these, these um, pressing issues, that is sort of nature's scream back around there has to be that reciprocity. Mm-hmm. Mm. And and a generosity. Nature is so generous with us. And we see yeah. that within and one spray. ear of corn, mm-hmm. you can plant a whole field uh, again. And just that, that uh, inherent generosity that uh, has that that humans are part of, that we are part of this nature, and we do have these desires to contribute in meaningful ways, to live a life where we're feeling connected and and feeling greater belonging, and and doing that through creating value in our lives. And it's so strange with so much important work to be done that there is unemployment, uh, that there are so many people feeling dismayed that they um, aren't aren't valued for their unique gifts. And um, if, if people are uh, listening and interested in what you've been talking about, could you tell us some more uh, websites, resources, upcoming events you have that they might be interested in? Yeah, so I am in the process of designing a retreat that will take place in May. Uh, May 12th through the 18th in the Osan. And um, it's going to be the first of a series of retreats that will bring investors and donors into um, the landscape of the Osan, um, but also into other places where this type of systems change work is happening. And the part of the program will be to um, be able to have that, that solo time in nature to connect with, with the earth, with nature, to also learn some awareness cultivation um, techniques and tools, and, um, and to then learn about systems thinking, how this systems approach is being applied in the field, and then to be able to meet project leaders and um, just see what is taking place on the ground and to engage with um, the beautiful culture, with the beautiful environment, um, with both the rainforest and marine ecosystem. And, um, and then as a collective, um, we'll take some of the, the proceeds from retreat and actually collectively 
decide on um, of a project or a series of projects to to put that money towards. Um, so part of the intention of that is to provide that give back to the environment, to the community, uh, and to take action with the the good energy that you know that has been generated over the course of the five days. So. Um, so that I'm very excited about, <laughs> and to learn more about that, um, it, we should have that posted probably by mid-January, and there'll be a link to it on the regenerativeearth.org website. Um, and yeah, and then other, and well, and then also with Regenerative Economy Lab, um, we don't have a website up yet, but we will be doing one over probably the next month, month and a half. And again, you can find a link to that on the regenerativeearth.org website. Um, we are working on an audio walkthrough of the systems map, which we'll have posted um, on the website. So people can go in and, and actually understand what this map is and then um, be able to be walked through that, which I think will be really helpful for a lot of people. And, and yes, I'm just, I'm inspired by John's work. So I encourage people to check out some of the documents he's been, he's been writing. Um, uh, and also looking at blueprints.org. Um, they are an amazing new organization that um, is, I think they have the capacity to really create significant change in, in combating poverty, um, really bringing just, equitable exchange to indigenous people and, um, and, you know, creating environmental impact as well. So I encourage people to, to also look at uh, what they're up to with this reinvesting 50% of the, the profits back into regions. Mm, yes, yeah, so that's, that's those are some of the main things. <laughs> Love it. Oh, so exciting to uh, hear about real action happening in a really wise, uh, strategic way to uh, make the most of this opportunity we have right now with so much transition, you know, um, dare I say, some collapse of traditional systems and uh, some very real challenges that also bring space for these new uh, models of exchange, of economy, of what work and how we collaborate with each other and the earth and what that looks like. And so happy to hear about it being put into practice and and really uh, demonstrated what is possible uh, what what would you like to share in uh, as closing thoughts? First of all, I feel very grateful to have been given the opportunity to to be on this show with you and um, to be able to share some of these things that 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 I'm up to and that the the people that I work with are up to. Um, and and yes, I think that um, right now the the earth really needs on the ground models you know and and i really believe that anyone can can take the lead on that um it like your heart and your passion and your love can move mountains um i've seen it in so many different situations and uh and so many you know young leaders also just really taking the lead and and creating remarkable change in different places on, on the earth. And 
Um, and so I would just encourage people to, you know, to follow their hearts to really, if there is that inkling of inspiration to take action right now, um, to, to do it, to believe in yourself, you know, and, and you'll find, you'll find a way. I mean, if it's, if it's in alignment with what you need to be doing, there'll be a tremendous amount of support for you to do it. Mm. Yes. Yes. Well, thank you for carrying this, these visions for so many uh, years and just your dedication towards uh, a healthy, thriving people and planet and your great love for nature and how that translates into your work with uh, in in Costa Rica and and the way in which you have really opened the doors to what is possible when we map our systems, when we communicate openly and authentically, when we become stewards of this land and 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 really connect deeply uh, with with each other and with our own spirit. And thank you so much for your innovation and your uh, regenerative work. I'm super inspired by what you shared today and I uh, hope everyone else is and checks out uh, some of those resources Jennifer gave us and uh, just want listeners to know a new world is emerging and blossoming and uh, you can and probably are already part of that. So thank you so much, Jennifer. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, the biggest compliment you can give us is to subscribe to the show and rate and review our podcast at iTunes. Be sure to visit www.moneymorphosis.com. That's money-m-o-r-p-h-o-s-i-s.com to join the growing community of empowered women who are dedicated to creating the true wealth they deserve. 